Welcome in to the best in paranormal talk radio. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. I'm excited to have our guest on today. Uh, of course, we're, we're delving into the world of Bigfoot, but this isn't just your average Bigfoot. We're talking quantum Bigfoot today, and we're talking about some interesting audio recordings, and we're talking about an interesting area. We're talking about the Sierra Sounds, and we're talking about uh, some strange phenomena that occurred at the Sierra Camp. And our guest today is Ron Moorhead. And Ron has had some, uh, you know, we're going to jump into it here and I'm going to, I'm going to let him explain a lot about it because there's just so much ground to cover today. And we're going to talk about the vocalizations of Bigfoot, why these sounds are not only unique, but have been verified and how they've been verified and how you can't, I know a lot of people like to kind of uh, discount, I'm going to use adult words here, discount and try to debunk Bigfoot sounds and Bigfoot evidence. These can't be denied, folks. Uh, these these Bigfoot sounds have been brought to scientists and voice specialists and other. Uh, and I'll let Ron get into it as well as to who these have been brought to that have been torn apart. His evidence has been torn apart left and right, and he's been told that by independent sources that yes what he has here is genuine that this is bigfoot or sasquatch we're going to play one or two samples as well to show you what it is that he has the stuff that he has available online is astounding that's the only way i can put it and well worth it to check out let's get into it shall we ron moorhead has traveled the world doing research on the unexplained undiscovered and underexplored uh, he is recognized around the globe for the best Bigfoot Sasquatch audio recordings known as the Sierra Sounds. This is the website where you can learn about Ron's travels, the products he offers, and his continued research into the enigmas of the world. That website we have in the link or in the description of this program. The link is ronmoorhead.com. Let's bring him in right now, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back to Darkness Radio, Ron Moorhead. Ron, welcome in to the program. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate this invite. Good to see you. Good to see well, you as well. Yeah. No one else sees you, I guess, but I see you. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we see each other, and, and uh, that, that's all that matters. Um, first of all, you know, the last time we talked to you, um, we, we did talk ad nauseum about the language and the fact that there is a an actual language between these creatures well, which was fascinating i mean absolutely fascinating i know that you know as as humans we're we're basically chattering chimps between you and i um but this this language if you will can you describe it for us what it is that that these creatures are saying between them well, we don't know what they're saying between them, but we know it is a language by the definition of language, which means a morphine stream of words like we're doing. Mm -hmm. And only only humans are supposed to be able to do that. So I had, you know, Professor Carlin at the University of Wyoming study these for a year and showed how they were outside and inside and below and below above the uh, human range. And it represented, compared to the human vocal mechanism, it represented an animal over eight foot tall. And then uh, they had a cryptolinguist uh, trained by the Navy to transcribe the sounds, uh, codes and things like that to see if it was any, any deception in them or what have you. He, he came out and interviewed me uh, in Alberia in 2008, I think it was. And he came back and said, these things have a complex language. 
by the human definition of language, which is to what I just mentioned, the morphine stream of words. And uh, we have sapiens, you know, we have this thing that other animals don't have. And according to Dr. Lieberman, Brown University, <clears throat> only humans have that. So to me, that puts these three items together and you there's a human component to the ones we interacted with up here in the Sierras. So I want to say this out front, though. I don't think they're all the same. Okay. All these things you call Bigfoot are not the same. They're, I've been all over the world with this stuff, and, and really, uh, I just think there's all kinds of things been happening okay. <laughs> through through the um, intervention into the genome of different species on this planet, and that's probably by uh, aliens, which are alien to us anyway. Mm -hmm. But they've been here a lot longer than we have, Homo sapiens, in my, in my studies, I think. And so I just uh, feel like there's there's a human component to what we dealt with. So you know, we call them Bigfoot. <clears throat> we, we don't, they just got a Bigfoot. <laughs> That's why we call them Bigfoot. Yeah. They're huge. They are huge. And uh, they're very, uh, very intelligent, much more so than what we thought when we was recording these things 50 years ago. You know, it's just, they're just very special and had no idea what we were dealing with. There's a hunting camp eight miles in the wilderness and uh, the very imposing area to get to, uh, 8,400 feet elevation when you finally get there. And anyway, uh, these things would come around us at night, uh, in the evening time, right after we'd eat or something. Sometimes we'd lift out, leave food out for them and they would take it. And sometimes you hear the chattering back and forth. And we started taking tape recorders up there and they'd come back again when we was there. I guess they felt safe because when it first started, it was really uh, pretty aggressive sounding. Mm -hmm. And uh, you didn't know if they were thinking about coming to the little shelter we was in, which was a bunch of logs uh, around us, a big group of trees that grew in a circle. And and uh, anyway, uh, you didn't know what their intentions were. We just didn't know what we were dealing with. We weren't looking for Bigfoot when he was up there. It was just a hunting camp. and been hunted from the Johnson brothers since 1958. So it was uh, quite exciting, to be honest with you, because we all had high-power guns, a hunting camp. So yeah. we were about to go up there without guns anyway, but... There's more than size Bigfoot out there in the woods. <laughs> we had a lot of a lot of bear up there too, and plus I we got a 52 inch rattlesnake up going up the trail one time, Jeez. which I got a hat band made out of that right now. So yeah, <laughs> I see this, that. Not yeah. this one. Well, uh, <laughs> this, I, no, this okay. is a, this is alligator. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the teeth in that are not, uh, yeah, are not bear. Um, th that is alligator, isn't it? Alligator and one's a shark tooth. And, yeah, uh, I see that. Huh. I lost, lost one of them. Had to replace it with something. I see. Couldn't chase, couldn't chase down that alligator quite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to chase a second alligator just to get a tooth there on. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of how it got started with me. I started going back there quite a bit. It didn't really start until 1971 when these things started really making sounds around the camp. And that's... Uh, that's when one of the guys just got screwed off because you still don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know if they're arguing over who who's going to take the food that we left out or who's going to put salt and pepper on us. You know, you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was exciting, though, i got to tell you. And uh, it still is. Uh, I started. I stopped going. I haven't been up there since 2018 when I took uh, David Polites up there to do the filming on this uh The Hunted, uh, Born One, The Hunted. Uh -huh. I got about 15 minutes inside that uh, film he made and uh anyway uh 2016 is the last time i had something happen up there i was up there we had taken the shelter down uh in 2015 so we in a little tent but it had an open top to it you know a screen top so you could see out and it was just dark when we went in and uh looked 
and I seen this light floating by us out there, about 40 feet away, uh, elongated light. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> like a, I, I call it similar to a saber or <laughs> something like you'd see in Star Wars or something. You know? yeah, yeah. And it's just floating through the trees, and you don't know what to do with that. You know, it's a form of energy, I think. Cause so many things happened to us up there. It was strange, not just the Bigfoot stuff, if it's a Bigfoot. Uh, it could have been just a pure alien. I don't know, because uh, you don't know what you're, again, you know, no one's got one, so you don't know what the genome is for sure. But I know what we dealt with does have a human component. So Okay. Let, let, me, ask, let me ask you this. You mentioned David Pilates was up there. What was his impression of, of the area? Oh, well, it's a wilderness. Nothing happened when he was there, but I didn't okay. expect it to. He just wanted to get to the camp like so many people do and see it. And I've known him for years, and and he, he's considered a good friend. In mm-hmm. fact, he's writing the forward to my new book right now. Okay. He already did. And uh, so, yeah, he, he's a nice guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's a former uh, detective in law enforcement. And uh, he had him and his videographer. It's all that, uh, and I was hesitant about taking anybody there because I've never done this before. I've never right. taken anybody in uh, to do this. And uh, But he was careful about not giving away where it is. And uh, I don't want to be, I don't want the area to be inundated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but because it's still, I'm not sure if anybody's still hunting in that area. I the group that I was involved with, was, half of us are dead now. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm in my 80s. <laughs> Gosh, time flies and you have fun, right? It does. Well, that brings <laughs> yeah. up an important question here, Ron. I, and, and I hate to deal with the subject of mortality, but do you have it set up so. God forbid something happens to you or one of your your party. Uh, is someone going to take over your work? Uh, well, my work, as far as the books and CDs and things that I sell, uh, yeah, yeah, that's all set up. But uh, going up there is another story, you know, because I'm not sure. Uh, it caught on fire after David and I left up there. The whole California was on fire at that time, I think. So oh. I did fly over in a little plane, though, and looked it over. And it looked like the whole area right there where our camp is uh, didn't totally get burned. It's a lot of trees still there and all. Still a lot of trees everywhere. It's a big area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm not sure. I haven't been there back. I haven't been back. Cause I live in North Carolina now, and that's on the West Coast, you know, Sierra Nevada Mountains. Yeah. Okay. But I'm I'm pretty sure. In fact, I, I know there's a couple of people know where it, where it is that could still find it. Uh, okay. So if that really happened, had to happen, but I'm not so sure. It's just the camp that's important because they've been seen all over the area in the Sierras. I mean, a lot of people have reported them, and and I've interviewed a lot of people that's reported them, and uh, they're just a lot going on in that whole area. A lot going on everywhere, really. This this is a big big subject now. I mean, we got. When I speak at these conventions, there's hundreds of people show up, sometimes thousands. And uh, I've got, uh, yeah, one coming up uh, in March that's supposed to have 20,000. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a big group. Well, let me circle around to something you said earlier here in the program, and that's this. You said they're all different types, uh, much like here on Earth, we talk about, well, not like they're anywhere else, but but when we talk about Homo sapiens, we, we're talking about, you know, different races, quote unquote, of, of Homo sapiens or, or, or whatever, or we talk about different different i don't know a, a keen way of <laughs> putting this right. i think i know yeah what i'm not trying, trying to put this politically correct but <laughs> i i am not well, i'm not, not doing I, it very I, good. I, I really think that the different types of aliens have been on this planet and uh 
probably still here or mess around with us. And uh, I think that some of them have created different species with their genetic modification, uh, changing the DNA of primates or of other species. And it may be so they can adapt their uh, hybridization to this planet's environment. I don't know. And uh, again, this is my thoughts just because I've probably been around this subject more than most people. In fact, more than just about anybody that I know of. And uh, it's been over 50 years now I've been looking into this. And it's just, um, that's why I think there could be different types of these things. Because if you get into the Yeti and the Nepal, mm-hmm. uh, it's different. And you get into, uh, well, you got, I went into Russia, into Siberia, the uh, wild man, they call it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got different names for them all over the world. But they seem to be being seen. And uh, that's by more and more people all the time. And it just, uh, it's just something that the government can't keep denying it forever. You know, it's like the UFOs. they got to break it out. True. And it's, it's got to be brought out. And uh, what they are, though, if, if they are something messed with us, you know, we're, we're hybrids, basically. You know, something created what we are, sapiens, and put that into I don't disbelieve in evolution. I, I think probably it's happened. But what were the cavemen? What, 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 were, what, what were they? Did they have what we have? Uh, as far as uh, sapiens goes, I don't think they did because I think that's something that was put into the human uh, uh, genome uh, a few thousand years ago, and we've evolved from there. Well, what are the subtle changes that you're seeing from the Yeti to the wild man to uh, the Sasquatch yeah. you might see here, even on the West Coast that you're seeing uh, in the Sierra and Nevada Mountains? <laughs> well, the uh, Yeti is shorter. And they're, they're said to be about six foot tall. Uh, they all have different, uh, not all, but a lot of them have different attributes. Some of them have the sagittal crest, and some of them do not. And that's that's in the West. A lot of people say, well, there's two different kinds of these things. Like that took me down to, to South America because they had those elongated skulls down there. You know, So I went down mm-hmm. there with a couple of scientists at two different times, and we studied those went all over uh, Peru and Bolivia and uh, those places looking at this stuff. And when you see what I saw, <laughs> I said that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't help but believe there's been advanced technology here, you know, and they've done some things to this planet that uh, we still don't know what it is today. And it's just uh, how they did what they did with those megalithic structures and moved them around. Uh, but there's been giants on this earth, and uh, there's a lot of remains of those things being found, even in North America. But they seem to be covering them up up here more than anywhere else. Uh, UFOs and stuff like that are commonplace to go down south in South America and Central America. They they don't think much about it. They just see them all the time. Yeah. We see them, but they get covered up, laughed at, or something. I got to ask this question, Ron, because it you know it, it I, I, you're tying a lot of this to to alien and UFO activity. So I, I've I've always been curious, and I'm going to go down this road with you because I've gone down this road with other with other Sasquatch. Uh, authorities and that's this first of all do you think and and there's a a story recently that said that there were other uh, other authorities in the field that thought that maybe sasquatch lived in caves or bigfoot lived in caves deep caves and that's why you never see these creatures out roaming frequently around the woods or they're not typically or that's how they disappear so to speak are you of a mind that that's where they live, or do you think they live 
in another dimension? Do they take just a step to the left and that's why these tracks disappear? Where do you think these things go? Oh, I got a lot to say about that. Okay, please. <laughs> yeah, they very well could live in caves. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me a bit. A lot of cave, cave uh, structures around this planet, you know, where we don't even know about that. Uh, but there's a, there's a thing about them disappearing, too, as far as the track stopping. I've had that happen to me. And uh, there's a science behind everything, mm-hmm. uh, I think. It's, 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 not, it's not classical science, so it's, it's quantum science. Okay. And if you, uh, Al Berry, the re- investigative reporter we took up to camp uh, and started joining us up there in 1972, he experienced this stuff too. And he experienced some of the strange stuff that was happening. And classical scientists did not answer that. And uh, he, had to, he says, whatever you do, when you get talking about this, don't talk about this weird stuff that's going on up here because people won't listen to you <laughs> anymore. So we didn't for a long time. I do now because I think I found the science that really answers some of the enigmas we had associated with these beings. I call them beings because I still don't know what they are. Sure. And, and uh, But yeah, the, the, the different ones, I think a lot of them have evolved and been here so long they've crossbred with uh, indigenous people. And that means the, the, chromos- the chromosomes would be uh, adaptive to humans. And uh, that's that's what I think. I think the Patterson film uh, was probably a diluted uh, Bigfoot because uh, you see the tracks. Uh, and there's a lot of differences in the tracks, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've seen a lot of those all over. And ours are different. They're bigger. They're splayed. And they were always consistent over the years that this was going on with us up there. Uh, same configuration, I mean, not the same size, but same configuration. And they weren't weird, but they were just very uh, uh, regular. I mean, they didn't have a lot of arts to them, let's put it that way. Okay. They had five toes straight across the top of them. And uh, where the Patterson film book uh, tracks, which I have one here, Bob gave it to me. Uh, they're more human-like. They got a good arch to them. Their toes are slanted like ours. And I just think there's been a lot of crossbreeding going on. And uh, uh, we're talking about eons of time now. We're not talking about this last hundred years. So these things have been around since, well, I think they've been around since before we were homo sapiens. And that's, that's thousands of years. Of course, now I'm talking about us. Right, right. <laughs> Whatever made us. They've yeah. been here since before that. Uh, in my opinion, and this is all, of course, my opinion, but it's based on my uh, 50 some odd years of doing this stuff, too. Um, did I answer your question? <laughs> in a, way, right in a way, but we're getting on an interesting tangent. So in my mind, I'm, I'm running this through. What do you think are being cross, these beings are crossbreeding with? Indigenous people. But anything, Native Americans. But anything other than indigenous people? I mean, because you're, the way you're, you're describing some of these tracks, to me, I'm running this through my mind and I'm thinking, well, do you think maybe there's a, a chance that, I mean, you've mentioned alien before and maybe there's maybe some alien DNA in there as well, but is there a third source? Well, uh, all aliens aren't the same. True. So, right. Uh, it depends on which one did what. Right. Uh, this, in my opinion, and just uh, talk about the dogman. They got a lot of dogman reports back here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's weird. But I've never dealt with the dogman, but I have no doubt now that they're around because I, I was just in Tennessee at a conference and these guys took me out to the uh, big, huge park 
it goes into Kentucky and the Tennessee. And uh, one of them, a deputy sheriff, and a retired deputy sheriff, there been a lot of these cases out there, and they close off part of the park when this happens. But these dogmans are terrorizing people, some of them in there. And they don't want this information out. None of the parks do. Yeah. Yosemite, where we're close to, is between our campus between Yosemite and Lake Tahoe in California. And there's been more reports, supposedly, about Bigfoot there in that area. But out here, it's like Doc Man, you know, mm-hmm. even though they do see Bigfoot, too. But, uh, it's just, why don't they catch one? You know, that's, that's yeah. what I'm writing about my new book. How does that happen? Right. Well, how can they do Can they disappear? Can some of them do that and some don't have that attribute? Or can some of them just been served? So much crossbreeding into indigenous people that they've recessed that area. Because we have a lot more than we give ourselves credit for, a lot more going on. We have not evolved far enough yet. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're here for is to evolve. And, <clears throat> but, uh, that's what I was going to go to now, but it's, uh, oh, I was going to talk about how they disappear. You want to hear yes. that? Yes, yes, yeah. It was a, an hour goes really fast. It <laughs> so does. That's why I'm talking yes, fast, too. No, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> well, you've got matter and energy, right? Mm-hmm. You can see matter, you don't see energy, unless you have a fine tooth, fine eyeball or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, your eye only sees within certain frequencies. And according to Tesla, everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. You, you, you're made of energy, and it, at the most minute level, it's uh, vibrating at a certain frequency. You find the frequency of anything, you can change its matter. Hmm. You can change its, you can change it, and that's Einstein. You know, he came up with that. And then Dr. Dirac from from um, uh, Florida, he he got the Nobel Prize in 1933 for antimatter, and hmm. that's the direct exchange between matter and energy. Now, if, once you change matter into energy, you don't see it anymore. So my question is. I think these things have the vocal mechanism to, fre- to reach the frequency to change their matter into energy. And that way their track would stop because there's no density to them anymore. And you won't see them anymore either. Uh-huh. So there's my answer to that part. <laughs> when you have it happen to you, you got to figure it out. You know, there's an answer to everything. That's true. And uh, we're just in a spot in this uh, classical science that we've all been raised in, so Newtonian physics, 1687, which we got to live in because we're in a three-dimensional environment, right? Yes. Yep. But there's more dimensions going on in the corner of quantum physics. There's more things that we just don't see. Our limited t- uh, frequency is, is our eyesight, and that, that's between 420 and 770 terahertz. And, and that's all the frequency we can see. Once, once you're out of that, there's all these other frequencies that you just don't see. Uh, some animals can see into that frequency. A cat, I think, can. They can follow things around. You don't know what they're looking at. You know? <laughs> there's all kinds of things around us right now, maybe, but we're not seeing. And, and uh, unless you can tune into their energy, some people claim they can, and that's where you see ghosts, too, I think. But, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's in the fourth dimension of time. And uh, anyway, uh, we're all going somewhere. Energy, which we're made of, cannot die. Mm-hmm. That's that's core to physics. So uh, if you're a religious person, you say, well, if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I hope. <clears throat> if you're a physicist, you say, it's going to change forms. So what that form is, we'll have to think about that one because we don't know. <laughs> well, that- However, I believe in multiple embodiments because I don't think we can get all everything accomplished that we're supposed to accomplish in one lifetime. And that means learn how to raise our frequency so we can go into out of the third dimension into the fifth or sixth. We're made we're made to be light beings though, and I think that's the ninth dimension. 
Mm-hmm. That's where you get into the Anunnaki. They were light beings, sky people. Mm-hmm. And that's the cuneiform text, you know, which is in Mesopotamia. And you study this stuff. That's what I've been doing now for all these years. <laughs> and it's really exciting because it's it gets you into this, uh, oh, this esoteric world, whatever <laughs> it's called, etherical, I should say. That's a better right. word for it. Uh, it's, it's just fun because uh, we are spiritual beings inhabiting a body. Mm-hmm. People hear that all the time, but they don't really delve into what that really means. Our consciousness, Einstein said nothing can go faster than speed of light. So everything in this three-dimensional environment is based on speed of light. Right. Once light hits it, it's real. And, and uh, that's real to you anyway when you see it. <laughs> you think it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, light is uh, has got this frequency and we don't smell our our olfactory sense is not as good as a bear. You know, it's bears twenty times more than us, and uh, they can smell right through a can and, and know if they like what's in it or not. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a dog, you know, they'll hear ultrasound, and we don't hear ultrasound or infrasound. So that you get it, study this stuff, and it's real. It's not like there's some floating out there. Well, it's just a theory. Well, it's been proven mathematically, unless some. But it can disprove it mathematically. It's going to stay there. And that's how Paul Dirac won the Nobel Prize in 1933 for antimatter. That was actually proven in CERN in 2012 when energy turned into matter. They could detect it when it hit that, but they could not see it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what I think happens when these things can disappear is they, they go out of our perception. They do it through the frequency they can make with their vocal mechanism, possibly, because it's really complex, their vocal mechanism is, through studies. And uh, just uh, so complex, we can't even do what they do. And you hear all kinds of stuff when we were up there. We could not ever figure the source of it. Metallic sounds, uh, sounds that sound like a tuning fork above us in the daytime. You never could see anything, but it was something that was making that sound. Hmm. And other things like that would happen up there when one night we was inside the shelter. And I say these things a lot because they're on my CD. I, I talk about this a little bit. And we we saw, uh, we thought we, we was all inside the shelter, several of us. And I say several, there's only five or six altogether of us uh, up there. There used to be six, but one guy wouldn't go back. <laughs> He's freaked out, very religious person. And we're all fairly, you know, I was raised Christian, but I'm not a religious person. I'm just a spiritual person like you are, mm-hmm. like everybody is, whether mm-hmm. they like it or not. Yep. You you do have that uh, going. So uh, anyway, uh, all these sounds are going on like our camp was being tore apart out there. And we looked out there after it all stopped and nothing had changed. When we had haul barrels in, so we could uh, ring barrels, so we could keep our food and our sleeping bags in them. So when we did walk in there without the horses, we wouldn't have to carry so much stuff. And of course, we're taking all that out now because, uh, uh, well, anyway, whatever you take in, you got to take out. That means that means you got to have animals, pretty much, because it's a lot to carry. Um, anyway, nothing changed. So how do you answer that? I mean, did they hypnotize us all so that we, you know, this was happening when these things were out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you do with it? One time, talk about ultrasound or infrasound, Warren Johnson, the leader of our group, he and I were up there. I think we were by ourselves. And as far as uh, other members, uh, and we, this thing was making it sounds right outside the shelter there, just probably 30, 40 feet away. And there's a big tree over there. We thought, well, he's got to be behind that tree. 
So we thought, well, we just getting pretty bold then because we realized they weren't going to break in and eat us or nothing. So or mm-hmm. carry us away, whatever. So we both said, well, let's shoot out the doorway, which is just a log between two big trees. Going, that was our doorway, and we'll see it run away. Bright moonlit nights, you know. And we did that. We jumped out there, started walking up towards that tree. Nothing ran away. We were creeping pretty slow and watching, you know. And we got a few feet away from that tree, and uh, and we both got stopped by something. I mean, like a force field. I relate to it because we, you just you can't go, and you can go backwards, but you can't go any further. <laughs> And Warren said, I don't know about you. And we hadn't been talking to each other. And we weren't afraid at that time. You know, in fear, it's not a, well, we were too dumb to be straight afraid, I guess. But <laughs> we had to, we, we went back in the shelter because we couldn't go any further. As soon as we got back in, that thing started mouthing off again out there, you know, that tree. And uh, I brought that up to a scientist one time. He said, well, it has to be infrasound or pheromones because those things will affect humans. You know. However, Say humans, they're only uh, pheromones only affect what's in its own species. Right. So at that time, we thought, well, they they're not humans, so they must have been ultrasound or infrasound. I mean, right. Which does affect humans. That's what elephants use to communicate over long distances, and large animals do that. Yeah. And I have no doubt that these things are able to do infrasound and ultrasound too if they want to, because mm-hmm. you change any sound up 40, 40 octaves. From, from any sound that you play, if you sing 49 octaves, it will change into light. I don't know if many people know about that one, but that's interesting. Yeah. Because you hear, you hear orbs too. We had orbs following us around up there, or the Johnson brothers did. I didn't have that happen to me, but I've seen them, but I've never had them follow me around. I did see a UFO coming down up there one time, a big blue ball, huge, uh, from, the, from the stars, and it just came down and just floated, floating down. Definitely control, but lost it behind the trees. So there's just, uh, we thought originally we were studying them, but there's so many strange things going on. Uh, they were messing with us. Come find out. Yeah, yeah. No, we set up a camera traps, do all kinds of stuff trying to trick them, you know, and never could trick them. But we underestimated their intelligence and their level of intuitiveness. You're not the, the first person who's been on this show, Ron, that's put together a piece that, that, UFO or alien and Sasquatch or Bigfoot have been hand in hand. It seems like uh, where Sasquatch is, an alien isn't too far behind, or they seem to be interconnected. And and well, that I don't know what that is or why that's. Are are they one and the same? It seems to me like no, you're saying no, they, they may so. be. I, I think. <laughs> The government has finally told us it's okay to talk about aliens and yeah. UFOs now, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so That kind of brings out the light because I wouldn't have said something like this five years sure. ago, probably. <laughs> right. Well, well, there's a whole camp that. Uh, but of, I thought of, this a lot. I never would talk about it because. Uh, but there's a whole camp of these people who's like, mm-hmm. no, they're just flesh and blood. They're just right. Right. Well, they're, the flesh yeah. and blood, or you're an ape, or are you ape. Yeah. I mean, or you're yeah. a UFO or crazy right. guy. Right. Well, it doesn't have to be separated. It could be both. Mm-hmm. And again, if these things, some of them have been here for so long, they've probably evolved into what a lot of people are seeing now, which uh, they call a relic hominid, which they might have, but I don't think what we were dealing with up there was just that, because they definitely have some attributes that we, we don't understand. And so that uh, I'm not sure what some of these other ones could do. I haven't been around them like I have with those up there, but it was uh, exciting times, I'll tell you. I got to see one, and that's, of course, the, Again, my daughter saw three, uh, three, uh, three different times she saw them. And Bill, my friend, got a glimpse of one like I did uh, one night when they were 
came around us while we were outside the shelter, which is very unusual. Uh, they were, but, but he and I were the only ones there. We'd taken supplies in our horses and mules, and, and uh, <clears throat> they started playing around, locking rocks, whooping back and forth, and and uh, found out the next day that they got there before we did. So they knew who we were when we left. And I think they went right to the camp where they knew where we was going. And they were excited. I mean, that's when I had something. They started yelling at us. And I started yelling back. <laughs> Mimicking them when they, I think they thought that must have been funny. That's the night I, I, I recorded the Samurai Cry. I uh, got my little cassette tape recorder out of my saddlebag, and and uh, these things were chattering so much and back and forth. I think there were three of them there that night, and uh, one of them made the big samurai cry behind me. They called it samurai cry. Actually, my moneymaker, BFR, coined that sound. Mm-hmm. He said it sounded like a samurai. He heard he heard that before he started the BFRO, and and so it's kind of hung in there since then because uh, there's a lot of chatter like that goes on between these things. They talk so rapidly. Uh, of course, they got a bigger head too. So they got a bigger tongue, bigger everything. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting that that they they're playful to a point, and there's I mean, it's much like us humans. I mean, we have different personalities. We could be jovial, we could be ornery, we could be downright sure. angry, and and want to take something out. Uh, have you run into the ones that are are more hostile that that just don't want anything to do to you and and or or to do with you and and maybe want to even have some harm befall you if you if you get too close? Well, I haven't ran into them. That'd be bad if they wanted to do that to me because they could. Right. <laughs> yeah. I did go into uh, Portlock, Alaska, with the filming crew a couple years back, and yeah. I think I was on episode five or six of Alaska Killer Bigfoot or four or five. I'm not sure. And uh, those are supposed to be very hostile. You know, the whole camp got uh, uh, evacuated, not evacuated, but they abandoned the thing in the late 1940s when these things were, I say these things, they, they said there was one that looked Bigfoot-like. Uh, they, they call it something different up there, but it was uh, killing their people, tearing their arms off and mangling them. And that's not what bears do anyway. And, I just got a feeling I, I gave them, my, they wanted a Bigfoot expert, which I don't call myself an expert, let's put it that way right now, but uh, I guess I'm, an expert's just somebody knows a little more than somebody else. Sure, yeah. And I, I do know a little more. Uh, I, I presented to them, because I, I I they flew me in there from Homer, Alaska, uh, on helicopter, and uh, I, I circled the area in this helicopter and uh, looked it over, and my opinion of that is, uh, it looks like, Years ago, it had been heavily timbered, and now the young growth is back up. But there's a few you can see right where it all happened. And they were also, I found out from reading it, uh, they were mining the area. And then I found out too from pictures they showed me, uh, there was a lot of fishing going on. I mean, they were overfishing it, just uh, but that's that's what they did. They didn't realize they did anything wrong. But there's something going on. These things hated it, I believe. I, I got a whole chapter about trees in this next book I got coming out. Uh, they they dislike us cutting trees down mm-hmm. and destroying the planet and not respecting what we've got here. And we do. We we disrespect it. We 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 we're messing this planet up. And until we learn uh, not to do that, I, I think I think and I told them you know if one of these things would have come crashing out of the trees when we were there. I have no doubt. 
somebody would have shot at it. And I, I imagine that's what was happening back in those days. Somebody shot at it and probably hit it. And that stings. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of bear in that country, too, with this. Well, there was not a bear. And bears don't do what this thing was doing either. So, and we did have something happen up there. So, I'm pretty sure that there's a presence up there of these things. There's nobody. You know, you have to take a long, 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 long boat ride or a helicopter in. Thank goodness they helicopter me in. <laughs> Beautiful ride, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet. <laughs> uh, I bet. But, yeah, there's been uh, reports of these things being hostile. But, again, I think what I try to impress upon people if they out in the woods, don't try to control your fear. Because I think your fear is what nails you. And if these things, if you have fear and you shoot at these things, well, that's going to not be pleasant with them. So I, I think, of course, again, I don't know what they were designed to be. Maybe they're designed to be angry or maybe they're designed to be hostile. What we were dealing with in the Sierras were these Bigfoot that were up there. Is they were not hostile to us, even though they sounded that way. But I think they were being hostile to each other uh, or something. Uh but up there, uh, and other places too, they seem to be aggressive. So I, re- I just suggest to people they keep their guard up and and try to keep their fear down. Because it's hard to do when these things start doing what they do to not be afraid. Because you're just afraid of the unknown and know who you are as a human being. I, I try to emphasize that too. How important we are as a human being to be given on the be put on this earth to experience the experiences we're experiencing and uh, to never consider yourself a victim during any circumstance because you're going to learn something from it. <clears throat> and if you, if you, no one's going to die, you're just going to go somewhere else. So why not just have fun and, and do your best to show love and compassion to everybody and not be aggressive to anybody. And I think that's what raises our personal vibration. Okay. That's my opinion. Yeah. Let's take our. We got to get. We got to step up. That's true. Let's take our break right here. When we come back, uh, we'll talk with Ron a little bit more about these creatures, these these beings, and a little bit more about when we do interact with them. What our intention should be? Should we be trying to communicate with them? And we'll talk about the ultimate question: to feed or not to feed. I I've uh, I I gotta ask Ron this question as someone who's interacted with these beings quite a bit. Uh, we've been told not to, but I want to ask him: is it has he actually put out offerings for these creatures? And and uh, and we'll we'll get that side of the story as well. And we'll we'll play a sound or two. And and you know, Ron has mentioned the samurai cry, and we'll we'll talk about. Uh, different interactions and we'll talk about the quantum bigfoot in the quantum realm we've mentioned the quantum realm a little bit but i want to talk a little bit about how, how is it that these things sleep in different things that they do and and how you surmise what it is they do when they sleep when they die different rituals and different things that they do and do they do it like us so we'll talk to ron about how it is that Sasquatch exists and do they exist like humans or are we projecting our traits onto them? We'll do that when we come back. Our guest is Ron Moorhead. We're talking about the quantum Bigfoot. We've got links to his website and to his books and recordings, which I encourage you to go get because this subject folks is absolutely fascinating. 
uh, the Sierra sounds, the, the audio recordings themselves are fascinating. Uh, and he's got those available for sale on his website. Uh, he's also got the Quantum Bigfoot book available as well. Go to ronmoorhead.com. We've got a link to that uh, website available as well in the description of this program. When we come back, more with Ron Moorhead. You're listening to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Ron Moorhead. We're talking about the Sierra Sounds, the sounds of Bigfoot and Sasquatch and, and the quantum Bigfoot and why Bigfoot isn't exactly what you just see out in the woods or what you may just hear out in the woods. Uh, before the break, Ron, I was, I was talking about why we shouldn't just automatically throw human traits onto bigfoot or assume that bigfoot is just like us one of the things that um we've been told whether it be through the media or whether it be through television things we see on television um the first thing we want to do is uh, with any creature out in the wild we want to relate to it we want to we want to bond with it first thing we want to do is offer food because that's what we want with us if, if a stranger comes to us we want to we want to be offered a meal or we want to be offered a treat or we want to want to be offered something that makes us feel good uh so we assume that that's what they want so we we want to throw them something that we like uh, our favorite food um is that the wrong thing to do with these these beings is to throw them our favorite treat well unless uh Unless they've made the contact first, I don't think you should do that just because of you think you're in their area or something. Because you don't know unless you figure up a pretty good trap, you don't know what's really taking it. We we put ours way up high sometimes. Sometimes left on the stove because we knew what was taking it. And uh, but uh, they can they can gift you too. We had the gifting going on with us, and I think it's because we did give them food. Uh, I don't know that I would recommend that until again. There's been a, a good uh, rapport built with them or some type. Uh, so they are, uh, I keep saying they, again, there's some, there's different types of these and different agendas on some of these things. So I want to be careful what I say here. I don't give people the wrong opinion that they can just go out and start playing with these things. Cause, uh, but you do have to go out with, try to have no fear. And that again is, is the hardest thing. Uh, once you get over that fear factor, uh, because they can sense that. They can see that in your aura. You know, we're, we're all energy, like we talked about before. And mm -hmm. that energy puts out a, a color. And that color could be seen uh, by some people even. And uh, like a lot of people read auras. Animals, I think, are really good at that. Yeah. You know, my horse, uh, <laughs> he can yeah. tell. Yeah. You, you know, they know the attention before you get on them. I've seen people who are afraid of a horse. The horse will be all over them, you know. <laughs> Yep. And then those people who know how to ride, not afraid of the horse, and the horse just okay with that. Uh, anyway, that's, I just want to caution people that, you know, they're not all necessarily going to be, you know, handing out cupcakes or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, and you're right, the, there is an intent and an intention, intention, uh, so to speak, with, with all of this. Um, 
that brings up another thing. It, it, when you, I guess, when you're strolling in the woods, if you have a bad intention, um, you mentioned that you know you you of course go out into the camp or you know or your camp with with a weapon, but you go with that weapon with the idea that you don't know what's out there, and you go with an idea of defense. You don't go out there with the idea that you're you know you're out there to destroy everything that moves. Um, but there are some people, and let's let's face it, it's it's not widespread. But there are some people that just go out there with the the idea of a bloodlust. Um, those people are they in for a, a shock or shock and awe if they do run into one of these creatures? Well, they're going to be shocked uh, if they because a lot of people don't believe it until they see it. You know, until they see something like that, they're probably never going to believe it. But uh, I. I think again, they they read your intent, and they know. And we we carry guns. It's a hunting camp. Of course, we felt like we was either John Wayne or White Earp. Or, <laughs> you're on a horse. You're rugged country. You know, you're wrangling mules. You know all the fun stuff that you want to do when you're little. There you are, a big grown up kid. <laughs> I was 29 when this started with me, and and uh, it stayed with me for all these years. And, uh, but yeah, if people go out with the wrong intent. Uh, probably nothing ever going to happen unless it happens by accident, and that's pretty unusual. Uh, a lot of times people see these things, they're so frozen, they don't, they have a gun or a camera, they don't use it, you know, mm-hmm. just because, and there's so many people seeing these nowadays, because uh, they are multiplying, and when they're in a third-dimensional environment, I think they, they don't mess with us uh, because of our karma. Nothing's supposed to mess with us. We have a we have things to do and, and things to respond to, and so we got to learn how to respond to them properly. And uh, nothing's supposed to interfere with that, and uh, that's why aliens don't really interfere that much, at least not obviously. And uh, that's why Bigfoot doesn't interfere with us, because they did interfere with us up there, and I don't know why. Other than so I could talk with you today. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Let me ask you about that camera question. Why is it so hard to get a? a- good video i mean we recently did get a good video in colorado of mm-hmm. of of one but why is it so hard to get good video of sasquatch it because is it, they're just they're really aware i mean they're they're much more than what most people give credit for mm-hmm. and again i think if some of them have been diluted down through um, uh, crossbreeding so with the people they become dumber <laughs> like us <laughs> 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 and uh, I, I shouldn't say it that way. <clears throat> you don't know. Uh, we don't know. I don't know much either. Just a little more than most people. <laughs> it, it seems to me like they uh, they become more elusive over time and not less elusive. Uh, that they. Well, I think we're encroaching in their territory a lot more, and I think they're multiplying. And uh, uh, they do, I think, a lot of them live in cave systems underground. If they do change their vibrational frequency and change their matter into energy, which is possible, uh, who knows? They might be staying in a UFO someplace, <laughs> uh, going off into another dimension, which time will not exist as we know it, perceive it in our linear time frame here on Earth. Uh, we, we won't experience that and you get it out of this dimension. And that's what we're all headed for. We're headed for that someday. Mm-hmm. Now, some people may say, well, what if I'm walking in the woods and I, I come across, and I want to get into the, of course, the mis- misgivings or the, the, the misconceptions of a better word of, of what people think a Sasquatch is or how they live. 
people may say, well, maybe I'm taking a walk in the woods or I'm, I'm, I'm doing whatever. And, and I may run across where these, these things live. We have this misconception that these things live like a squirrel may live, like they have their own dens or they, you know, they have their own homes that they set up or whatever. Um, how do you perceive how these things live after having spent all this time in the woods do they have these elaborate dens or these elaborate burrows they're a lot bigger than a squirrel yes if they have a den it's going to be bigger than a squirrel's nest right uh yes there's a lot of boulders and a lot of underground systems that we've not even discovered yet uh and i think there's probably some where we were up there there's a huge mountains and a lot of uh bluffs that you can't get into around too easily at all and uh there could be there could be a tunnel system right there in fact it's all volcanic you know and mm-hmm. uh, so i i think that possibly when they especially if they have children i think they raise their children in a third degree environment like what we are in and we're seeing more and more of that because we had a small one up there and uh it was being raised there and that may have been what the male was so aggressively sounding about because he didn't want the little one cutting close to us like it was. I think they're getting bolder. They want to learn about it. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing at all this stuff. Sure. I'm sure. a good guesser. Uh, yeah, it sounds like because one of them was, uh, one of the little ones was making some sounds out of the creek, and you hear the mother or the bigger voice coming down on it like, like don't get too close to these, you know, these flathead humans. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. My daughter seen one just right around our camp there. Uh, she saw them three times, but once was very clear. Was behind us, we just heard her eyes up there. And uh, another thing, we'll go out for a walk or something, and, and I, I brought my big backpack laying there and a sweaty T-shirt over the pack. We had nice, our food was all in the pack. And uh, left a nice loaf of bread in there. And, and uh, come back, and the bread was gone. The wrapping was on the ground there. T-shirt was still over the top. None of the other food had been messed with. <laughs> no bread was left. <laughs> so, you know, they mess with you like that. How do they do that stuff? Uh, they do have opposable thumbs. I'm sure yeah. that. We've got a hand handprint up there one time, but I'm getting off the track. We're running out of time, so I better. No, no, no. That, that's, that's a good story. I mean, hey, Bigfoot likes sandwiches. You never know. Or at least uh, Bigfoot doesn't have a gluten allergy. You, you, you like to know <laughs> yeah, that. Right. You know? Yeah. That's that's a, that's a that's a good thing. Um, the other thing that that I guess is, is the big argument in the community too is is what does what does happen with with Bigfoot when one passes away? What do they do with the remains? You know, the native Native Americans, uh, the lore that I've heard, and then I've heard quite a few of them over the years, but they said they they take care of their own. As you get in the Fred Beck story from 1924, I think it was, when he claimed he shot one in Mount St. Helens and it fell off a cliff. Well, they went down there and it was gone. He came back with a sheriff, a big 30 guys, I guess, were in there looking for something. Never could find it. He swears up and down, he hit it really straight mm-hmm. on. But prior to that, they'd, they'd seen these tracks around the camp. And one time they were just tracking this one. And he said, in order for it to not leave another track, it would have had to jump 160 feet. Wow. Well, so it disappeared. Like, like did it disappear? Its density stopped because it changed its matter. And then I hear these reports a lot over the years. I had a guy tell me, I had a board meeting, I was out in Canada one time, and he said that he could take me to a place up above Fairbanks where he saw one disappear. And I, at that time, I just kind of put him on the shelf with all this other 
crazy stuff I'd heard, you know, but I wonder why we didn't see them more often. And that could be because they were cloaking, uh, so to speak, or uh, we thought they would just hide behind these trees or something, but and maybe they were. I don't know, but as much as we had interaction with them, as often as we had interaction, I had a stereo headset on my head, and I had two microphones with a stereo cassette player, the best kind you could get, deep, battery-operated, and I could hear these things by people are walking around our shelter out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, well, it's probably human. Well, no. no. <laughs> human would be an idiot to walk around us with all those guns we had. <laughs> I kept waiting for a, a, a light flicker between the logs that we had leaned up against these trees. And I never did see anything like that. And I often wondered, how come it's you hear it walking out there, but you don't see it walking out there? That was always a puzzle to me, but there's so many puzzles uh, that I think about now that was happening to us up there. I don't put anything past it because you get into quantum physics and you realize there's so much more going on that you just won't see, that you don't see with our 3D senses, which is based on everything you can see, feel, touch, or material, physical. And we're not that. We're, that's all we had to deal with in, in this Earth 3D environment. So, Ron, do you, the way you describe it, do you think they, they have a way of cloaking themselves almost? That, that they, they have a way of almost going invisible? And, and yes, so yes, that, yes, so, yes. So they, matter, matter and energy are interchangeable. If they can change their matter, which that's what we are, matter, into energy, and Einstein said you find that the frequency of anything, you can change its matter. And I think that's how miracles were done, how they're done nowadays. If you, you can... Find the frequency of anything, you can change the matter. And that's that's not just biblical, but that's science, too. And I talked about Paul Dirac earlier, you know, for antimatter and how it was determined in CERN. When That was a big deal. Most people don't even realize how big a deal that was. But when they changed a, a particle matter, which you can see, uh, into energy, and the CERN did that. And that was that was a aha moment for them in CERN. Uh, to establish Paul Dirac's theory, which was mathematical, but he got the Nobel Prize for it in 1933. Oh, yeah, they can cloak. Uh, at least what we were dealing with can cloak. And what, I think a lot of them can because I've heard reports several over the years. Many, many, really, that they saw them disappear. They turn into, they call it the predator effect. They yeah. turn into yeah. this, this picklization, you know, and then it goes back to hell. Very credible people told me that, but they don't want to tell anybody else. Because I think that people think they're crazy because everything we think we're at the top of the chain here, but no, oh, there's no. so much more that we don't know. But we have to learn who we are as humans and what we really are all about and how we're really designed to be. We're designed to be light beings. That's what made us. I think the Anunnaki uh, messed with our, the genome and, and have, have put us to what we are today. And uh, I think we're, we're designed to be like that. And they were light beings from the sky. And that's what the cuneiform, cuneiform text talks about from Mesopotamia and the Sumerian uh, culture. And the, all the cultures back there were using the cuneiforms. You dig back deep enough from the biblical text, everything is just about all languages, first written texts of the human, known to humans. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it's called cuneiform, just little wedge marks, uh, tablets. They've got hundreds of them, thousands of them, I guess. Uh, yeah. And uh, they find out the history of everything. I mean, just like our Bible was originally 83, you know, 83 
chapters that went down to 73 and 66 now. And, you know, who does that? It's whoever's in charge, just like nowadays. That's right. You know, whoever's in, whoever's in charge of the, of the colonization is who's going to determine the rules and who you can worship, what you can know, and all that stuff. The winner dictates history, Ron. That's uh, that's kind of yep, how that yep, deal works. Yep. That's Losers don't write it. That's right. <laughs> only the winners, uh, only the winners dictate history. Um, let me uh, let me play a couple of sounds here for for our listeners before we go today. Uh, I have one of the whistle interactions here from from the the uh, sounds that you offer uh, on online. Um, and again, uh, ronmoorhead.com is where people can go uh, to purchase the recordings that you yeah. have uh, of, of these different Sasquatch sounds, uh, the Sierra sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the whistle interaction, describe what it is that, that these Sasquatch are doing when they're whistling to each other. I think it's a form of a communication. Uh, it's it's uh, it's done through the vocal cavity. We find it's not done through the lips. You'll hear on the sound if you play it. A uh, human, uh, Warren Johnson, I think it was whistling. You hear a human whistle, then you hear their whistle, okay. and their whistle. I've got a recording somewhere that the whistle actually turns into a chat chatter, and uh, again, it's done through the vocal uh, a vocal mechanism uh, through excuse me through the vocal cords and. Uh, not through the lips like we whistle. Okay, let's, uh, there's throat stingers and you know some countries have throat stingers that get pretty close to that, but okay, nothing let, like this. Let's play it real quick and then uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it here afterwards. Interesting. Wow. That that's not that's not a, a just a regular sound you're going to hear out in the wilderness, is it? I think they can mimic just about anything they want to mimic. Uh, they have their own complex language. What we dealt with this here is I got to keep bringing that up because I don't think they're all like that. They may not have all the, the ability. All of them do. Uh, that was Warren Johnson. You heard. And, whistling at it, and it would whistle back uh, through its vocal mechanism. Uh, I was going to play one other sound here for our... Uh, it, I want to play the, the male and female interacting. Uh, good example of, of, of two interacting back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, let's, let's play this one and, and give people an idea of a male and, and female Sasquatch interacting here. Here we go. Now, see, to me, that sounds more ape-like. That, mm-hmm. that, that does sound more, more like what I would expect a Sasquatch to sound. 
Yeah. Well, that's their language. And now, of course, apes don't talk, you know. No, right, right. I'll, well, I'll throw that in there. That, that's, <laughs> but but Hollywood would have us believe that. I mean, if you've watched any Planet of the Apes movies, you would think. That, I mean, if you were oh, to yeah. hear that, you would Forgot go, "Oh yeah, that's what an ape sounds like." But but apes don't talk, right? No, right. According to Dr. Lieberman, Brown University, he studied the cognitive uh, languages and howler monkeys and different primates. He says only humans have the vocal mechanism for language. Which, which means a hyoid bone here and connected with a lot of nervous systems in the tongue, which goes into the brain and, and tells us we can talk about what we're seeing. And we can say uh, uh, unlimited amount of words, you know, uh, sounds, except they have to stay within our range. That's what Dr. Curlin studied. He shows it in the graph of the paper he wrote, you know, just where the sound icons were for the vocal that he was checking out at the time. And the average human range is a certain way, and then uh, these things can go in and out of that. And I had a lot of people talk about, you know, how they can't receive sounds. And Joe Rogan said he could do that sound. Well, he can't. No, he can't step no. on. He can't do that. Uh, and uh, maybe I shouldn't brought up his name, but uh, no, you can bring smart, it up. No, that's absolutely. He's a smart. Well, he's a smart guy. Yeah, you know, he's, he's got some good things. I was supposed to be on his program one time, but it uh, didn't go. Uh, he's using the. Uh, bullshit meter too much i think i didn't care for it yeah yeah <laughs> but he's a good guy uh, uh i was gonna say to those two that were arguing if that's the one you're playing i couldn't hear mm-hmm. the sound you're playing but that's what i'm thinking about uh i had a linguist expert uh she had perfect sound and she listened to the sound she says i don't know what's going on there but she says that's that's not human and it's uh the female won the argument, by the way. Oh, oh well, most of them do. Uh, <laughs> there you are. I'm there you are. On, yeah. One way or the all. other, they always win. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can either let them win or be happy. That's right. Want. That's right. <laughs> so uh, when, the, when the language expert broke it down and said the female won, how did she uh, determine that the female won? She's an expert in, in she was a one, only a 10 in California, court certified in several languages, perfect mm-hmm. hearing. She could tell by the uh, inflections on the sounds itself. And where the cryptolinguist did it differently, you know, he, he just wrote a transcription of the sounds. And no one can tell me what they were saying. Well, people tried to tell me what they're saying, but when they all tell me something different, you don't know which one to believe, you know. Sure. <laughs> I'll, know I'll know someday, but yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of been an exciting part of my life. Yeah. I've it, been very fortunate in my life. Yes, you have, yeah. And, and it, I, boy, I'll say it, and an exciting life at that. Um, yeah. Now, <clears throat> what, what's really cool is that you've gone to independent sources, and each one of these independent sources have told you, Ron, you've got something here. It's it's not like they've turned you away and said, nah, I don't know. You know, I, right. I, Well, actually, Dr. Lieberman turned out very away. He was a reporter of Excavator that was trying to get their work done on these sounds. He went to Dr. Lieberman and Dr. Lehman said, no, I won't listen. You're, you're playing a game where you're probably a, a former student trying to get back at me for something. Al <laughs> <laughs> wasn't. But, but you know, he wouldn't even listen to them. Really? Uh, so, <clears throat> anyway, it wasn't until Dr. Curlin got a hold of him. He's a sound engineer. And he actually uh, took it seriously. And Al said, I just want to know, unbiasedly, you know, one way or the other. He didn't care just as long as he knew if it was real or not. And they were made the sounders of the time. They were not pre, pre, pre-recorded backwards, slower, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Fast, slow. 
and there was no 60 cycle hum animal, which meant that would have been pre recorded and played back. Right. So all that stuff's been studied, and, and you get the everything involved just tells me that what we do know that there had a, a human component to them. I find it fascinating that it, and the, the, the building blocks of, of speech, much like our speech, are there. I mean, everything is there in the, in the speech. So it's not like it's just somebody randomly screaming into a recorder or making up gobbledygook, anything like that. All these different speech therapists and, and specialists have all verified that everything is there. Um, so with that... We and we, we know that, and you pointed out that these these apes and these different primates don't have that ability. So then, what does that make Sasquatch? We can't call Sasquatch a primate, then, can we? Sure, he's a primate. <coughs> so yeah, he is a primate. I think they're all primates. Okay, uh, that's uh, kind of undisputed, really. But uh, depends on what made them, and what they did to their genome of, uh, of the chocolate like like us, you know. I think we were made from some, something else. You know, man was here. Uh, if you read the first and second chapter of Genesis here, and uh, you find out there's two different things going on there. If the first chapter he created man, then after that, well, he still had nobody to till the soil, so he formed Adam. Well, I think really, when you get into the cuneiform text, you find out all kinds of things have been messed with, you know, the power in charge, you know. But uh, what they are, I think there's different kinds and different attributes of different kinds. A lot of them have been crossbred over the eons of time. I think they were here, a lot of them before we were, and uh, maybe some afterwards. Uh, again, I don't know the agenda of what made them, but some of them could be bad, some of them could be good. Uh, I don't really know. Okay. Um, as we're starting to wrap up here, you had mentioned before that there was a fire in the Sierra Camp area, but mm-hmm. are there further developments with that area besides the fact that there is a fire and it looks like it's pretty much untouched? I mean, that that that, that area is pretty much untouched. Yeah, it's still okay. It's I still mean, okay. What I saw, what I saw when I flew over in a little plane. Uh, I'm a pilot too, by the way, mm-hmm. and that's uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really in the wilderness and so you're not going to just go up there and build a house or something uh it's it's quite remote quite imposing area to get to okay i've had a couple broken ribs trying to get in there sometimes Yikes. <laughs> I went off the cliff really <laughs> well, i went down the cliff with him <laughs> well, that's a good memory it wasn't good at the time oh. <laughs> <It is now. laughs> i thought i thought i was gonna have to Shoot the horse, but I write about that in my first book, uh, Voices in the Wilderness, which, by the way, documentary is being made on that now, I think, and should be out later this year. Uh, people that I trust are doing a documentary on, on that whole thing. And it's a long time coming. Because, uh, like, like you said earlier, the sounds, uh, they've been tried and tested over time. No one can dispute them. And anyone that looks into them, even uh, the proof is out there, acknowledged them. Uh, Thinker Thumper acknowledged them, uh, said, no one can do this. And so it's just a unique thing that happened to me and these other guys. And there's only two, two of us left now. I never thought there was a best on and uh, all get older. Yeah. yeah. We're all going somewhere. Right. <laughs> everything's, right. Headed, everything's headed for something. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. And, and 
like you said, there's there's two of you left. You've got the the documentary that's being made. You're you're working on a new book. Right. Well, I just about got that done. Yeah, it's okay. Pixar. Should okay. be out another hopefully by the end of February. Okay, and hopefully, then yeah. and then the Quantum Bigfoot is available as well uh, right now on on your oh, website. The Quantum Bigfoot, and by the way, it's M O R E H A one O. I almost put two O's in that, and that won't get right. you anywhere. Yep. Well, I should I should have <laughs> yes, I should have qualified uh, uh, yeah, that. Voices in the Wilderness, my first book, is my chronicle to talk about what all went on and how they got there. And when it comes to the context of the sound I'm talking about, you can actually hear the sound if you download the the, the link I have in there. <laughs> and I have uh, 24, I think, uh, links, 24. One link gives you all 24 sounds Yep. in that in the back of that book. And I used to send out the CD with it, but that was something I couldn't keep up with, trying to load the CD. Couldn't get, eh. <laughs> they're all available. Uh, on my website through or through Amazon, actually. But they're all downloadable, too. Yeah, and technology is a wonderful thing. That way you don't have to keep sending out the CD with the book as long as you can oh, attach that, that with, hard, to the yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to order the CDs. And, well, it's the first batch I came out with was in color, CD, all that stuff. You know? Wow. It cost wow. me almost as much as I was getting for them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of work. But really, I, I never went into this thing to make money. In fact, I spent a fortune chasing this thing down. And uh, it's just, uh, but I used to make a lot of money, so it was okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I. But it's all gone now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the important part, really, Ron, is the story, and the story is is fascinating. I think you've probably delved further into. I, I don't want to say further into the research, but further into. Uh, just contact with this creature than most people have. Would you say that? Well, most people I've ever heard of, uh, yeah, I got more information on it, I think, than just about anybody. Yeah. That I know of. I know maybe somebody's got more than me that just don't want to talk about it, but I talk about it because I think people should know, but it really has driven me into, from Bigfoot, into who we are as humans, and I think that's extremely important for us to understand how privileged we are to be on this planet, experiencing things, to learn how to respond to things. And uh, that's what's important because that's how everything works through three, six, and nine, according to Tesla. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, he, he said, if you understand three, six, and nine, you understand how the universe is. Well, three, we're in three dimensions. Six is where you start to be able to create me, but nine is the ultimate. That's where the Anunnaki were. That's where angels are, a lot of things. Because, and I think we're for, we're made to be that ninth dimensional being. So when AI comes out and says, well, we're going to transfer your consciousness into a, uh, a robot, don't do it because then you won't be all human. You won't be what you were made to be. And we're made to be special and we are special. I just uh, got to go. Ever, and... ever consider yourself as a victim? Never because you're going to learn something I, every time. I, I just got to go on the side tangent. Does AI scare you? Is AI one of those things that you, you stay as far away from as possible? Because I know uh, I, I have a trepidation about it. but Well, a lot of people do because it's going to outgrade us here one of these days. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going up so fast, it'll start creating its own people pretty soon. And that's when you got to watch out that it doesn't somehow get a consciousness to it because that'll, <clears throat> that'll be a game changer. Yeah, It's almost a game changer already because it's, it's exponentially going fast. And uh, 
I got my own theories about that, but no, it, you can still get a transplant, a heart transplant or something like that, or get another arm or a leg or something. I don't think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But when you have your whole inner inside, all of you, your consciousness changed into a something that's going to live for a thousand years or something like that. So I think I would turn that down. Good, good. Because you never get, you only get to the sixth dimension. That's where you are. You never get to the ninth, and that's what you're created to be. And you want to be in the ninth. That's that's the ultimate, right. in my opinion. Right? No, that's no, no. I, I I hear what you're saying there, and and the the you know you have the skeptic out there that that would tell you, well, Ron, when you die, you're only worm food. Um, you know, but but <laughs> well, your body is. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know, you're only looking at half the equation there. You know, you're only that's looking right. at at half the transaction. So yeah. it, it you know you there's there's something to be said about looking at all sides of a of a equation or all sides of an issue. Um, well, we're supposed to yeah we're we're supposed to learn and if you don't learn something you got to learn it sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. You just have to somehow, some way. That's why I believe now. I wasn't trained this way in religion when I was growing up, but I, I think that way now. You have to have multiple embodiments to ever experience everything you're supposed to experience to get to where you're supposed to go. And yeah. learn to respond to them. Tell you don't even respond to them. You're not going to stay there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Different, different embodiment. But you're going to come back and have to go through that same crap again some way. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true, uh, folks. We've got the link in the description of the program. Again, it's Ron Moorhead with one O as he as he pointed out. And thank you for pointing that out, Ron. I appreciate that. Uh, RonMoorhead.com. We have the link in the description of this program. Again, uh, there's two books there. There's there's recordings of the Sierra sounds on the on the website. I highly recommend you get both volumes of those uh, Sierra sounds because man, there's there's even a nine one one call there that sent shivers <laughs> down my spine ron that guy was real I oh my <laughs> god <laughs> this guy yeah. just to set it up for people so they can go get those recordings this guy has a sasquatch in his yard and ends up looking face to face with it while he's on the phone with 911 you've got to go get those those recordings folks and and hear it for yourself it is absolutely chilling um ron i want to thank you so much for being uh, my guest here on the show today well, thank you, Tim. It's been it's been delightful, as Peter Byrne would say. <laughs> it has been delightful. Thank you so much, Ron. And uh, let's do it again uh, sometime soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Ron Moorhead for coming on the program today and sharing about the quantum Bigfoot and the sounds of Bigfoot from the Sierra Sounds in the Sierra area from the Sierra Nevada mountains. Fascinating topic, you know. There's there's the two different camps, the apers and the, the UFO people who have their different beliefs. And of course, much like the Hatfields and the McCoys, they go back and forth and, and argue the subject. And I mean, we could go at it until the end of time as to what you believe about the subject of Sasquatch and Bigfoot. Uh, it's always a fascinating topic. But Ron's body of work stretches decades. And some of the things that he's discovered are absolutely astounding. And again, I encourage you to go get those books and the recordings. Uh, I sat and listened to the recordings earlier today, and just I got chills just listening to some of the things that, that he has captured. And, and you will too. You, you will just be uh, fascinated with what it is that he's, he's come up with, with research. And really... I encourage you to, if, if it's something that fascinates you to, to get into that field, like Ron was saying during the interview, 
it doesn't sound like there's too many people who are stepping up into this field and and especially at at a younger age that that are wanting to wrap their arms around it and, and get a hold of it and figure out what's going on with it. It seems like the researchers that I'm familiar with are of middle age or, or older. And it's one of those things that we don't want to lose contact with. You know, it seems like we are separating ourselves from the earth and, and not to get on a soapbox or anything, but that we we're losing touch with the earth and we're getting more into technology. And, and with that, we are losing things like that supernatural tie to the earth. We don't want to lose track of that. So if, if you are, if this subject does call to you, get with somebody like Ron Moorhead and see if you can maybe for lack of a better term, become a supernatural intern and, and acquire that knowledge. You know, there is nowhere to go to school for this stuff, but, and there is like Ron said, there's no such thing as an expert, but if you can acquire that knowledge, especially over a lifetime, uh, with somebody like Ron Moorhead or, or Eric Altman or any of these guys and acquire the knowledge and be able to pass it down from generation to generation. We can only learn more about, you know, being such as this and, and learn more about ourselves. The, the knowledge that Ron has is just, again, just astounding to me. And that's why it's, it's guests like this that I like to continue to bring to the program and, and be able to pass on to you. And again, if you have a guest that you'd like to hear from, email me at Tim at darknessradio.com. I welcome your, your input because I, I want to continue to bring fascinating guests like Ron to the program so that uh, we can continue to hear from guests like this and, and expand our, our, uh, not only our mindset, but our knowledge set as well. Coming up on the weekend, I want to remind you to be a light in someone's darkness this weekend. Uh, continue to do what you can for a neighbor, a friend, um, a stranger, a complete stranger, and do what you can to make the world a little bit better place. Boy, it's been cold out there, folks. Man, below zero temperatures and cold temperatures around the nation. I don't care where you are. When you're in New Orleans and it is 20, 30 degrees, it's freezing, folks. I'm just telling you, it's freezing. If you can donate a coat, a hat, a winter jacket, whatever to help keep somebody warm, uh, please do that. If you can, you know, help out at a, at a soup kitchen or whatever to help keep somebody's belly full, please do that. Do whatever you can to help somebody this weekend. I know we're coming out of the deep freeze a little bit around the nation, but still there's people that need that help out there. If you can help somebody, please do this weekend. It's, it'd be greatly appreciated from your, your buddies here at Darkness Radio. Got a great week of shows coming up uh, next week. Again, I encourage you folks, if you're listening to this show, there's two things I need from you. One, uh, please visit our sponsors, Microdose. Microdose.com has a 30% off special right now. If you use that code darkness at checkout, Microdose.com. Check them out, please. The product, I, I stand behind this product, folks, because it is getting me out of pain. I'm telling you, I sat down again this week with my pain doctor. Folks, pain doctors aren't really doing everything they can to help. And it's because they're being handcuffed by a lot of different agencies. They're not really in it anymore to help you. You've got to help yourself. This is one way to help yourself. Microdose.com, 
30% off at checkout, code word darkness. We have another sponsor coming on next week, Miracle Made, Miracle Sheets. I use these sheets, and I'm telling you, they're amazing. I'm going to tell you more about them next week. We'll have a link to them in the sponsor section of darknessradioshow.com. I want you to check them out ahead of time so you can get an idea of these sheets, but they're antibacterial sheets, and they're amazing. They are some good sheets, and boy, they're comfortable too. Miracle sheets. You'll hear more about them next week. The other thing I need from you, the other favor I need from you, I know you like to binge these shows. I get it. I like to binge shows too, but try not to hold on to them for any more than a couple of weeks. And the reason being is not only does it help our sponsors out, but it helps us out as well on this program. It's hard to explain rating systems. It's hard to explain how this whole funny podcast thing works. But we really don't get credit with our advertisers. We don't, really don't get credit as far as downloads go for this show. If you're holding on to them for more than a couple of weeks, it doesn't do anything for us. So if you can, try to, as you get them in your queue, listen to them and, and give us credit for these shows. It would be... It would be great. We'd be grateful for it. We'd be grateful to you if you can listen to them as you get them. But hey, if you need to hold on to them for a little while and want to listen to them in a block, that's fine. Just don't make it too big of a block. That's all we ask. Again, we're grateful to you for listening to these shows. We love you. You're, you're our family. We love you for listening to the show. We appreciate you. We thank you for taking your hard-earned time to listen to Darkness Radio. For Beer City Bruiser, for Jess, for Mally, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for being part of our family. We look forward to giving you more true crime, more of the best in paranormal programming right here next week on Darkness Radio.